Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. And so welcome, Jackson, my friend from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, hello. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, I was just sharing with a friend earlier today that I was really looking forward to this session because I'd had a chance to kind of work with you and other folks in the community a number of years ago. And this will be a chance for me to catch up and see all the progress that you've been able to make as you sustain this initiative. And so, folks, today, my guest is Jackson. He is with Startup Hutch. In a lot of ways, the ecosystem builder in Hutchinson, Kansas. And just a little bit of background, Hutchinson, Kansas is in South Central Kansas. The county, Reno, has a population of about 62,000 and the community has 40,000. And Startup Hutch works across Reno County. And so we just wanna give you a little bit of an orientation So, Jackson, as is our custom with this particular podcast, would you introduce yourself by way of a short overview of your life journey that has brought you to this world of entrepreneurial ecosystem development and your role as the e-navigator and director of Startup Hutch? Well, sure. So, you know, I was born here in Hutchinson, Kansas, where I currently reside. I'm what we call a boomeranger. I went away for a while and then came back. And I'm a fifth or sixth generation native Kansan. So I've got a little bit of that frontier spirit in my blood as well. I grew up in this community and went away and got a liberal arts degree and then spent some time in Chicago where I worked in rental real estate and also taught chess on the side, kind of as a side hustle. And then somewhere along the way there, I met a woman and we ended up getting married. I'll save the whole story of that for another podcast. (laughs) Uh, We made a decision to move back to Kansas. Actually, she was a Kansas girl herself. And so we made a decision to move back to my hometown. And in that move, really made an intentional choice to try to serve the community that I had grown up in. I felt as though I had received a lot from my hometown when I grew up there and wanted to really create an intention to make sure that everyone in my community was getting the same opportunities that I had received when I grew up. That's kind of my personal mission and sort of remains that. And so I started to work in the nonprofit sector and originally worked in housing before moving over into a position at our health department where I managed a grant working on health equity. So Mm -hmm. really trying to think about different inequities and what causes those as a result of different demographic factors, geographic locations, and other things like that. And in the course of that, I was also getting really involved in our community. So I became the chair of our local young professionals organization. And because of those two affiliations, I was invited into a conversation about our entrepreneurship ecosystem very early on when the entrepreneurship task force was formed. And we'll get into that task force a little bit more later. But as it informs my moving into this entrepreneurship work. I think joining that task force and being a part of those conversations 
ultimately led to me being hired as the entrepreneur navigator, a newly created position at here at Startup Hutch. Well, you know, the term entrepreneur navigator, you guys really coined that. And it's interesting. It's now being used in about five other states as a way to describe this job. So consider yourself a bit of a pioneer in setting some precedent for how we do this. You and I really, I think, first got to know each other as part of the Kansas Philanthropy and Economic Development Initiative that the Kansas Health Foundation, Network Kansas, Locus Impact Investing, and of course, our friend Janet Topolsky with the Aspen Institute. Hutchinson and Reno were one of the communities as part of that cohort of communities from across Kansas that really were learning about this interaction between community philanthropy and economic development. And as we got to know you guys, it was clear that there was an interest in entrepreneur-focused economic development. So share a little bit more about Startup Hutch, because from our earlier conversations, I kind of remember how it was beginning to take shape, but obviously that was pre-pandemic and a lot has happened since. So Startup Hutch really represents the rebirth of an organization that had been around since the 1980s, which was the Quest Center for Entrepreneurs. I like to think that we were an incubator before incubators were cool, or maybe we were an incubator all the way back when incubators were cool the first time, would be another way to say that. And so that model had really run its course here in our community, and we had what we were calling an incubator without walls that one client that I talked to when I first joined the organization described as the best kept secret in Reno County. And so we really had a mission to reignite the excitement around entrepreneurship in our community and rebranding to Startup Hutch and launching that as the new face of the organization with, frankly, me as the entrepreneur navigator front and center of that brand launch was really exciting and was the direct result of that entrepreneurship task force work that grew out of the CPEN work with the Community Foundation. So share a little bit about, okay, as an entrepreneur navigator, what does your typical week look like? Where do you spend your time and what roles do you play within this ecosystem? Share a little bit about the job you do. So my job is fundamentally about building and maintaining and creating new relationships between people. So that looks like meeting with entrepreneurs, talking to them about their business plans, reviewing them with them, and then trying to help figure out what barriers they're running into and then connecting them to the resources that they need in order to overcome those barriers. We have some resources here within Startup Hutch, but I think that our great value add to the people that we work with is our ability to connect you to other resources that exist within our community and more broadly than that within our state and our country. And in addition to working directly with clients, of course, in order to have access to those resources, we have to have relationships with all the people who have those resources. So I spend a lot of my time working with other people who work in this space, entrepreneurship, and also just business in general. So we're very lucky, I think, in Reno County. It's a little bit different than it is in some other places. We work really well with our local chamber and economic development entities. We've got a downtown coalition in Hutchinson and a number of different kind of economic development and smaller chamber type organizations in the smaller towns around Reno County. So that's another subtle factor about this work that I do that is, I think, really important is that I'm constantly trying to balance this need to serve Hutchinson. You know, we even chose Hutch, Startup Hutch, 
to go in the name because it sounds so much better than Reno County. And Reno means a town in Nevada to everybody. So that's not the only people that we serve, though. We serve the entire county. And there are, I think, 16 townships and municipalities across the entirety of Reno County. So a varying sizes and varying amounts of economic activity occurring in all of them. But entrepreneurship and small business growth and development is the lifeblood of all of those communities. In some ways, you might say that the smaller rural communities, one or two businesses, makes a significantly bigger impact. So that's the balance. And then the other side of that coin, of course, Don, is that more than two-thirds of the people and the vast majority of the economic activity in the county occurs within the city limits of Hutchinson. So we don't want to neglect the city as well. So that's kind of the balance. And that's a little bit about what my day-to-day and week-to-week looks like. Of course, there's some boring reporting that occurs as well, (laughs) but I'm fortunate and in a position that a lot of other folks who do this kind of work aren't where we actually have sufficient funding and support to have two staff people. So we're able to have me as the entrepreneur navigator, and I serve as kind of the director and visionary leader of the organization. And we also have a program administrator, and he handles a lot of the day-to-day bookkeeping type, those aspects of the organization to free me up to do the sort of more generative, bigger picture work. Well, there again, I think you're setting some precedent that is communities around the country are starting to hire folks like yourself. They're beginning to realize that they need additional capacity. So we'll be coming back and learning more about how you're structuring this now that you got two staff people on board. I really like the way you described your job. At E2, we refer to that as the ground game, the idea that we can wait for entrepreneurs to come to us or we can be proactive and reach out to them and begin to play that networking, that connecting role. And so... We've just found that really important as a turning point because a lot of communities are responsive to their entrepreneurs. Too many are reactive, but really taking that next step, as you have done in Reno County and Hutchinson, is a step above in our experience as well. Let me add one more thing there, Don, that we do. We try to create opportunities for entrepreneurs and the resource partners to come together as well. So the way I described it really puts me as the nexus in the middle of the wheel, which I think is sort of true, but it's not the entire picture. So I think an important role that we serve is trying to create spaces and opportunities for people to meet each other and to exchange those ideas that are inviting to the early stage startup and to the entrepreneur type person. So that makes them just, these opportunities are distinct from other kind of business community type of traditional opportunities for people to get together as small business owners, like through our local chamber. And I just think that that aspect of the ecosystem and the community building is really important. It's not just about me as the navigator being able to make all the connections. We want to create an interconnected network in which everybody has connections with each other as well. Yeah, and that's building capacity where people can do this without you. So two questions. One, it sounds like you're sponsoring kind of meetup events. And the second part of that question, Jackson, is are you beginning to see entrepreneurs networking with each other, using each other as a resource, a sounding board, a support system? Share a little bit on that. Well, I think first, yes, we've started hosting a monthly mingle When I first started in April of 2020, COVID was rampant at the time. So we've been settling into our new routines, but 2023 has really been the year that we got into this monthly rhythm of having meetups. And the connections between the entrepreneurs themselves does happen, but it's weird. I don't know that I can take as much responsibility for that, but there have been a couple of 
sort of Facebook groups that have come together where folks will answer each other's questions and kind of share ideas. We actually started one of those. That's our version of that. And this is sort of funny to admit on a podcast, ours is not the best one for (laughs) Reno County. Some of my background means that this isn't surprising to me. The one that started up organically is the one that is much more robust than the one that we started. There's a lesson to be learned there, I think. But there has been in the last few years, a real reinvigoration of the spirit of a community of entrepreneurs. And that occurs broadly within the county. And I think most specifically, the strongest area for this in the county is probably in downtown Hutchinson, where we have a strong kind of retail and also some other commercial businesses and some housing, sort of a pretty good mix of multi-use downtown. And that group has really coalesced and works really well together. So it sounds like you're beginning to build that culture. And just for our audience, I think this is important because if I have it right, Reno County, Hutchinson really has historically been rooted in traditional industry, manufacturing, production, ag, which are not always necessarily the most entrepreneurial. So it it sounds like you're making some progress and actually building that entrepreneurial mindset and culture in the community. Fair observation? I think that it's fair if your timescale was the last 40 or 50 years. But if you go back a little further than that, the real roots of our community are in the entrepreneurial spirit. So Carry Salt, which is a nationwide company that provides the rock salt that goes on the ground most everywhere, is right here. And we've got giant salt mines underneath our town. And we also are the home of Dillon's, which is a little regional company that got bought out by another little company called Kroger and grew to be basically the largest food retailer. And so that history was also a part of our own narrative internally with the entrepreneurship task force work. How can we return to this entrepreneurial spirit that really created the foundation for this community? And you can see that in our Dillon Nature Center and our Cary Park. And it's the named things from the entrepreneurs who really built wealth. And then they kept that wealth and brought that wealth into our community to make it what it is today. How can we have more of that? Yeah. And I think what you're sharing about your community is true for lots of communities in the Central Great Plains that were kind of founded at the same time, went through this spurt of remarkable entrepreneurial activity and institution building, then kind of settled in. And we're now in an uptick in terms of renewed entrepreneurial activity that's reinventing the economy and our societies. Jackson, I want to go back a little bit to the origin story with Startup Hutch. And again, this goes back to the work that we did with the Kansas Health Foundation, the Hutchinson Community Foundation, Aubrey, Carey, and others were invited into the community cohort to explore philanthropy and economic development. You were part of the team. I'm curious, how has the foundation played a role in supporting Startup Hutch and Because it seems to me that's one of the threads that goes back to the origin story that's really unique in Hutch, maybe not so much in some other communities we work in. No, I think I can articulate a few different ways that the Community Foundation has helped with the entrepreneurship ecosystem building. The first and probably most important is their convening power. We're fortunate in Reno County to have a community foundation that 
really works to bring together all of the relevant stakeholders when they recognize and see that we're facing a tough challenge that isn't going to be able to just be fixed with one grant where we need to make long-term progress. And they did that when they first convened the Entrepreneurship Task Force that really grew into what we are doing now with Startup Hutch. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that they also put together a five-year, $90,000 a year grant to my organization that helped to fund the creation of the additional position. And along with that, they also helped, not by themselves, but they helped to spearhead requesting additional funding from the public funders as well. So my organization also receives funding from the city of Hutchinson and from the county government. And I've been asked to go try to get money from all the smaller towns too, but we don't do that yet. And so this combination of kind of public and philanthropic funding is really critical. And having the philanthropic partner in the mix, I think really helped increase the amount of public funding. So prior to the Entrepreneurship Task Force work, the Quest Center, the old organization was only funded by the county. So the city of Hutchinson wasn't putting any money into it and there wasn't really any philanthropic money available either. There were some funds available from the sale of the building that had been the incubator. And so there was some capital available, but not really any consistent funding. So the community foundation was able to help to fix that. And they're also a partner in the long-term ongoing work as well. So we're now in the phase where we're year four out of five of that five-year grant right now is what we're sitting in. So we're now starting to have conversations about what does it look like to do some fundraising or create some capacity within the ecosystem to maintain that funding long-term. And I think the third thing that the Community Foundation has done that's been really exciting for me and for our community, and that we haven't leaned into quite as much as I had hoped yet, it's a growing edge for us, is this concept of impact investing. So they have taken some of their assets as the community foundation and put them in a pool that we can loan out to local entrepreneurs. They have some specific areas of interest for that. There has to be a clear community benefit for them. They are a 501c3 organization. And the audience for this podcast is probably pretty familiar with some of the challenges around lending in this nonprofit type space. But I think that has been really critical. And our community foundation... and. Maybe this is wrong, but my impression is that they've really been on the leading edge of that kind of creative work where they're really taking their assets and deploying that capital in a creative way within our community. And we've been able to invest in some really potentially transformative projects, things like rural broadband in some of our local communities with one of our most successful, not necessarily newer, but startups, organizations called Idea Tech as a broadband company. And another project that I'm really excited about to put a new downtown boutique hotel in to try to increase the tourism draw. So those are just two examples of different kinds of projects that they can invest in that I think show the spread of what's possible with the kind of investment that they're bringing to the table. And that kind of funding and that kind of patient capital for things like investing in an old building that needs renovations where it's kind of questionable whether that's going to appraise out, that kind of capital can be really transformative in a community if it's deployed well. No, absolutely. And I think the story you're sharing is going to be hopeful for a lot of other communities that you've diversified your funding, you have more funding, you have more staff, you have stability, you've got community-wide support. 
And as we always make the point, this is a 24-7, 365 forever job to do for a community. And you're demonstrating some sustainability and resiliency, even though you really got started at the cusp of the pandemic. And those were challenging times for everybody, but you've weathered it, it appears, and you're thriving. I want to go to the passion question, at least what I call the passion question, and that is, okay, you're at a really important stage in your career. There's probably lots of different things you could do with your talents. Why do you believe connecting with and supporting your community's entrepreneurs are so foundational to your community's future, but also... This is where you've decided to invest your talents. And so share a little bit around the why question. For me, my personal mission sounds something like making sure that everyone in my community is able to enjoy the same opportunities from growing up here that I did. And although I say that and I use that framing growing up, but I'm usually trying to help the parents so that we can help the younger generation as well. I think there's a lot of leverage there. And that's also just where my personal passion is. So I think that Reno County and Hutchinson specifically does have some deep challenges. I know we're below the average for the state in terms of our free and reduced lunches. We have a lot of kind of systemic and generational poverty that exists in our community. And the reason why that's important to me as it relates to entrepreneurship is that I think that small business ownership and entrepreneurship is still one of the best pathways to the American dream. That sounds a little bit cheesy to say, but I really do think that that's true. And I think that if we could figure out how to do this work really well and make sure that access to the mindset that you need, to the resources that you need, the opportunities that you need in order to start your own business and to become an entrepreneur for yourself and for your family will create opportunities that have never existed before for people to change their station in life. And that's on mission for me. That's why I'm willing to put my time here. And as it relates to our community more broadly, I think that our community benefited greatly from the amazing success of some of its earliest entrepreneurs. I mentioned the Dylan Nature Center in Cary Park. We've got other amazing things like the Cosmosphere is a Smithsonian quality space museum. And frankly, in the middle of nowhere in Hutchinson, Kansas, it doesn't belong (laughs) here. I mean, if you've never been here before and you're listening to the podcast, come visit. I'm not kidding. It's ridiculous. It's probably a better space museum than the Smithsonian. We've got more Russian stuff. (laughs) But that spirit was really lost in our community. And that concerns me greatly because the wealth that was built, that was invested and rooted in our community is starting to leak away. And if we don't replenish that well of that wealth, then we might go the wayside, like many rural communities I think may do in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I don't want my hometown to be one of those communities. And so the combination of trying to figure out how to serve people who have traditionally not had these kinds of opportunities and lifting them up, while also trying to root the wealth that we're building in our community, which I think the best way to do that is to have the people who run your biggest companies in your community be from your community so that they will actually keep that wealth locally. And I always have to say, because my chamber friends are also right around the corner, that that's not to say that there isn't a role to be played for traditional economic development, business recruitment and retention. I think that we need primary jobs as well, and not everybody's going to start a company. 
But I do think that we need to expand the opportunities for our local people to have those kinds of opportunities and that that needs to at least be one of the major points of emphasis. And we're lucky, really lucky, I think, here in Reno County that we have partners in our chamber and economic development entities who actually really get that, who get that we need to have holistic economic development and we need to attack this problem at all levels so that we can have a successful community going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the myths that just drives me crazy that somehow entrepreneurship and traditional development are in conflict. They're additive. If the community has opportunity with traditional development, they should pursue it. But fostering entrepreneurship, all the things you said, couldn't agree with more. We're at that point where we're winding down. And I have just one more question before we close out. And as you're doing this work, and I'm going to kind of shift this question from what I sent you, share with me what you think as you look into the next couple of years, what is your greatest challenge in doing this work that you're trying to do? But also, what do you see as the greatest opportunity? And so let's wrap with some reality and then a little bit of aspiration around that opportunity. Well, I want to sneak in two challenges because I think that there are two really important ones that we face. The first is I think we have a self-image problem as a community. And this isn't true of ever like the whole community necessarily, but it's true of an important faction. And I think that we need to work on that. There are a lot of people who are working on this problem, who are trying to spread the good word about the great entrepreneurial things that are happening. But there's a little bit of a self-image problem that we have. And sometimes I feel like the people here don't always see all the good things that are happening within their own community. And it takes sometimes a little bit of an outsider perspective to see all of the good things and to help to share that story about what the great things are. So I see that as one of our biggest challenges to overcome, because I think that if we don't overcome that, there's a risk that we'll become tired and that we won't continue the commitment that we need to this long-term work of building an entrepreneurship ecosystem. The second challenge that I see for us is also related to the biggest opportunity that I see as well, which is that it is challenging to reach the folks who are have not been traditionally well served by our existing systems for building and growing businesses. And that's for a wide variety of reasons, just channels of sharing information. There's a lot of chaos and information out there in the world in general. And there's also a little bit of a trust and a relationships factor there as well. It just takes a really long time in order to build relationships and build trust within communities. And I'm thinking particularly in some of my poorer rural communities than the smaller towns where we don't necessarily have close ties. I'm thinking about communities of color within I'm talking about people in recovery, just lower income folks in general, the kinds of people who have not traditionally been well served by banks and financial institutions as they try to start businesses. How can we reach those people so that they know that there are resources out there to help them get into business and also in a way that's authentic and gets them into business successfully? So we don't just need to drag people into business. We need them to be successful once they're there. So that is a sticky wicket for me. I don't know the answer to that question. We're working on it and we're trying some different things. We're trying some experiments, but I don't know the answer to that, to how to do that. But Don, if we could figure out how to unlock the capacity of all of the people in this community who have great ideas, who just don't have the capital and who don't have the resources to navigate the systems that are in place, if they could just get the help that they need to navigate those systems and get a little bit of a leg up, just a little bit of a hand up 
to get themselves into business, then I'm really excited about what that could mean for our community going forward, both in terms of just like all of the potential small businesses and the quality of life that could be created for that, but also because you need at-bats to hit home runs and our community needs to hit some home runs. And the only way that you hit home runs is if you take swings. And so we need to get more and more and more people trying different things so that we can try to hit a few home runs like a Dylan's or a Kroger or a Curry Salt or another idea tech, any of the above. We need more of those. And I just think there's so much opportunity there because there's so much untapped human capital in our community. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And you and I should have a side conversation sometime because I'm convinced that the very people you're talking about is where much of our future entrepreneurial juice is if we can figure out how to partner. Also, maybe a pathway to create some economic mobility for people that historically have not had a lot. I want to thank you for being my guest today. Appreciate you making some time. You're very welcome. It was great to connect, to reconnect after working together for years. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about Startup Hutch in our community here. Yeah. Well, and of course, my friend David Iaquinta is going to be coming your way and he's going to be doing some story capture. So we think there's a powerful story in your community. And so looking forward to that. Hey, folks, as we wrap up this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity, just want to remind you that energizingentrepreneurs.org, that's our free website. There's a lot of resources there if you want to learn about how to do this kind of work. We also have a theme page where the kind of work that Jackson does is being highlighted. We're next month going to talk with Patty, who does this work out in Oregon and others that we have done interviews with. Of course, you can find the full complement of our podcasts and drop me an email if you got a question, always happy to talk. And so specific to this podcast, we're going to be sharing information on how you can go to Startup Hutch's website and learn more about that, about Hutchinson and Reno County. And as Jackson indicated, there's a lot of other communities throughout Reno County. You can learn more about those with the site we're going to share. We're also going to share some information on the Community Foundation. We believe that Community Foundations are key partners in this work. And then we'll be sharing a little bit of information on our paper around entrepreneur navigation as a strategy in ecosystem building and operation. So Jackson, welcome to fall. Thanks again for being my guest. You're very welcome. Glad to talk. Hey folks, all my best to you, our listeners, and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thank you and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm -hmm.